0: And welcome to another episode of In It Together. My name is Jeremy Augusta, joined with my host. Uh, This is Brent Gunn. Dude, I'm very tired after this break, but I am excited. We had a week off. Uh, I'm excited. I actually spent the whole week pretty much not reading any news article. Like, I I purposely made myself not read any article that I didn't have to, just because I feel like I get stressed from this stuff now. Like, every time I, I read a headline, my blood pressure raises one degree yeah, yeah. or one however they measure blood pressure um but i'm back and i spent yesterday and wow. this morning catching up on all the news i missed
1: yeah uh this whole this break was exhausting i feel like i'm dying i think i have influenza i decided to grow a beard i shaved my head it's like quarter life crisis uh, it, it kind of is because my birthday's at the end of the month and i'll be 25 so quite literally a court well if i'm lucky Anyway, well, on but, that um,
0: happy note, let's talk about happy newest, let's Israel talk about, relations.
1: Um, so, the first, or or we could talk about uh, millennials waiting, uh, you know, longer and longer to get married and yeah, get let's, houses. Let's talk about that. Um, that would actually be a perfect transition because you know me being a 24 year old in college uh, who's engaged. Yeah, um, man. I don't know. I mean, we're we we have to like consciously put things off because we're in a kind of economic position. My and partner and I massive
0: student loans at least for me like having a large amount of student loans and like potentially marrying someone who also has a large amount of student loans is
1: horrifying yeah because it's like all right i mean what what are you going to practice like pragmatically deal with first your debts which you have to pay off after Mm -hmm. a certain amount of time after you graduate or are you going to try to put a down payment on a house when you already have an apartment yeah or are you going to pay two thousand dollars for an engagement ring when that could be four months rent yeah, and you live paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to like trash my family who happen to be more conservative. That's not the point of what I'm trying to do here. But recently I was at like a family birthday party get together and my sister, who's about eight years older than I am, uh, we got into the conversation of, you know, why people like millennials are waiting longer and longer to get married. And I tried telling her, well, I think it's because we're kind of in a weird position with like student loan debt and the job market, and it's, like, kind of more pragmatic for us to wait. And her and her husband's answer is, no, it's just people are, like, moving in together too early, and they they just don't want to. They're just, like, lazy. It's, yeah. it's that, you what, know.
0: What sparked a weird political divide in this conversation is when AOC was uh, live-streaming herself cooking dinner, I believe, and she said, like, the responsible thing to do for people now is to not have kids because of climate change and because
1: they're worried about things like this. So I've been, which is something that like, I've been hearing people say forever. Yeah. Like, like I've, I've been, I mean, have you ever heard of people, uh, thinkers like Peter Singer? He's a, mm-hmm. he's a bioethicist. I mean, uh, he talks a lot about utilitarianism and vegetarianism. Um, he was a big inspiration to me, like as I was growing up kind of getting into that stuff and he's been talking about like population decreases, not with the idea that it's mainly because of overpopulation that we have climate change because that's that's not the issue yeah but um his thing is more you know if you can make those decisions knowing that you're contributing more and more to a system and the planet may not even have that much time left it may not even be within your best ethical interest to have children and you know that's that's a i think totally normal rational thing to bring up Mm -hmm. and it's funny to me that that's like such a controversial thing to bring up. Yeah, you know. the best
0: thing you can do for the environment is
1: not have kids. That's I simply mean, a fact. You, I'm, or not eat meat. I mean, that, that's yeah, another that's big another one. Big but one. then at the same time, it could be like not drive a car. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, there are those, like, things that you have to look at in, in your life and be like, all right, pragmatically, can I remove a car from my life? If I lived in New York City, maybe I could.
0: Mm-hmm. And now we
1: just can't. like In and, Mount in, in Pleasant, Michigan, 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 no. You cannot I, I, I got to get a classes. It's snowing. Mm-hmm. No,
0: and the bus system's great i use it every week but yeah like sometimes you just need a car
1: but i mean if i can cut out meat if i can cut out you know whatever some little things like why not do that
0: yeah that it's always weird to me when i when i look around and people who i've dated it's astonishing to me how few of them want kids Mm -hmm. it's like a 50 percent rate of people who want kids and people who don't oh, in man. my own
1: personal experience in, and, in mine i think it's like 75 don't 25 do yeah and i keep yeah. getting from from my
0: family and from my parents that oh it's just when you get older you'll want them and i just don't i'm 20 years old and i uh, haven't wanted kids yeah but, and yeah. that's not necessarily for any environmental reason but i'm not like man i can't have kids because the plane's gonna get hotter it's it will not make financial sense to me. Exact, to that's exactly, that's exactly how I feel. And then not be able to put them in a position where like I'm not going to make enough money to pay for my kids college and I'm going to settle them with the same student debt that I have. And I'm I'm in a fairly good position student debt wise i'm in a lot better position than a lot of other people same but just thinking like i'm gonna make way less than my parents make and i'm not gonna be able to put my kid through college but there are things that could change politically like if college became free or if college was had greater subsidies
1: and things like that that could sway my mind. It's almost like if there's a mass uh, investment into education there could be mass societal uh, increases in the quality of life. May I don't know, well, maybe.
0: Good news for you. Uh, Governor Gret- Gretchen Whitmer did just announce a massive um,
1: yeah, hike. what is it, like the first 2 she proposed years of
0: a massive hike
1: education. Oh. Oh, right, Almost right. Almost a billion but, dollars. But isn't it like only like the first two years of community college or something? No, no.
0: It was for uh, public education. Oh, public education. Yeah, higher, or, uh, not higher ed. So
1: I'll take a look at that. K,
0: K through 12. She also proposed, and I saw this on the news, a 45% gas tax that will never pass uh, Michigan's Congress. Any I mean, you, on that?
1: You, you know how I feel about uh, um, New Deal economics uh, trying to solve every problem. I feel like it would be redundant if I just repeated myself at this point, but... Since you asked, I'll be a little bit. Redundant. <laughs> You'll indulge me. The 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 New Deal economic kind of model that that I mean this is this could be a perfect transition to Andrew Yang a little yeah, bit later. It. So the idea of just taxing these problems and trying to allocate funds through taxation without a grander you know systematic um, criticism, obviously that's my big critique. Um, and I don't feel like I mean, if we just adopt a European a more European style model. Europe still has economic problems. Europe still has people that live in poverty. Europe still has people that starve to death. And I mean, they, they still face these problems. We'd be lying to ourselves if we – I mean, it, it would raise our standard of living. It would move us to maybe the next step forward towards a more uh, ideal kind of economic situation in America. But moving in that direction, that, that that's all it really is. It's a move in a more – preferred direction but we we can't look at that as like the end the end goal and that that that's my big problem sometimes with progressives they look at stuff like you know the 45 percent gas tax 45 cent oh all right well they, they 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 look at that gas tax or they look at uh you know aoc's tax proposals and they they are oh, like that 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 is the end goal or that is socialism or that will right every single wrong and that'll get all the bad guys of the world you know to finally pay their fair share i mean it's a little bit naive, mm-hmm. but it, it would probably raise the standard of living yeah, in the it would country. Yeah, fix the roads if we put a
0: tax on the gas in Michigan. But I, I don't think the goal of that proposal is to implement it. I think when that was proposed and written, they thought there's no way the Republican Michigan Congress is going to pass this. But— they need to show voters that they're doing something and that they're working towards implementing a gas tax. And Gretchen Whitmer is trying to fix the damn roads, and she's keeping campaign promises. So is the end goal for Michigan Democrats to implement a 45-cent tax on gas? No, but I think the end goal was to show uh, that they're doing something about it. Let's get back to the AOC thing. Um, do you have any anything else you want to talk about with that? I- you, unlike me, are taking that next step into actually getting married and being yeah. in the realm of having kids or moving out yeah, or putting a down whoa. deposit on a house yeah. and are, which are all scary things that I've told i need to do. I mean, but a little don't really bit, want to but, do. but at
1: the same time, it's kind of, I'm, I'm the kind of person that's, and I, this probably results from just my upbringing and kind of being a millennial. I've learned how to kind of live humbly, live yeah. very like modestly and mm-hmm. simply and like I'm not an Amish or anything. Like you know, it's not not nice, anything like that. But um, I an mean, essentialist.
0: Yeah, you have yeah, think, I've, I've, I, I,
1: I I count myself. And, and the I, same I, way. I've had to be. I've had to live paycheck to paycheck. Like I moved out of my mom's house when I was 16 the first time, mm-hmm. then 19 the second time. And you know, I had to work. I had to learn how to you know pay for my own rent. Especially like I moved to Ipsy and I had to. Just move in with strangers and uh, work. I mean, I was working three jobs at a time to to pay for like you know one bedroom in in the in the city. It was right across from from Eastern, and I witnessed so many people that were like in in that complex that were that I was friends with go from job to job to job. And have to work three jobs, two jobs. You know, they would have a side hustle. While in college, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know a single person my age that doesn't have multiple forms of income that isn't relying on their parents. I mean, there are those people out there that are going to talk about that kind of like millennial struggle who are having their parents pay their rent. Yeah, I'm, I'm so, not talking about I'm those I'm so people. careful about not doing that. Like, I have it great. And, and I'm, I'm not trying to shame you for getting help from your parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but, I but at the that. same time, uh, I'm not we're, posting we're, we're, pictures we're not on my about Snapchat you. going "new whip." Yeah, that my parents. Yeah, paid for and, and I, I think I mean, you do kind of ingrain in yourself. I mean, you, you've talked about personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. I think personal sp- responsibility is really important to ingrain in yourself. The, the problem with that is that people will align that. You know, society can be changed. Uh, radically, if you just change your personal responsibility, and that's that's nonsense. That's yeah, no single bullshit. individual could even. But the idea of but that personal responsibility is really important to have. And you know, I started working when I was re- really young. My parents didn't have a lot of money. My parents were split up. Uh, you know, my mom had to work summer jobs and stuff. I mean, she, she worked at migrant headstarts. she you know, she's finally has like the best job she's ever had in her life. She's finally going to be able to retire. My dad may not even be able to retire hmm. just because he's still kind of recovering from 2009. I mean, honestly, there are probably so many millennial people, my age, whose families are still recovering from 2009. Absolutely. I can fully say my family changed, after the the recession like the way that my family was before that and after that are like two radically different stages yeah and for some reason uh Republicans mostly are like so curious why there's people like me that are so hung up on like changing the the economic reality in America it's because you know I I, I feel like our generation is finally starting to see the 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 real negative, like downside of the cycle. You mm-hmm. know, they say, like, you know, capitalism, it works in the cycle. You yeah, have your up period and you're down. The people before us had that up. I mean, I mean, if you if you look at the fucking 90s, that was the up. You know, yeah. people always talking about, oh man, I had it so hard. Man, you're Gen X. Don't you you chose to have it hard. It was cool to mm-hmm. have it hard. It <laughs> was well, For-
0: going through what your family did. Does that make you less hesitant to have kids and to take on more responsibility? Because if you have responsibility and you have overhead, like kids or like a house then it makes you less
1: able to resist those economic swings, I guess. So the way that I am now is I view those early years of development as, like, vital. Those are, like, essential. And I want to do everything in my power I can to make sure those early years of my child's life are as smooth as possible. Mm -hmm. And I know that, you know, my economic well-being can help that. You know, I mean... 50% 50% of marriages end in divorce, and the number one problem is money. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, how isn't that an economic problem? And why wouldn't you take that seriously with your economic situation going into a marriage or going into having children? So, my thing is, I don't want to have children until I know I'm economically able to make sure their life is going to be good or as good as it can be from point A to point death. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and if that requires me to put off buying a house or put off, you know, these stupid material things, which don't really progress your life, they're just like these material stages that you set up and you're like, all right, now you've, now you're in a house yeah era. There, now you're in apartment era. Like, there's no. steps
0: to your life that society
1: has told us we need to have, but we really don't. And yeah, we really don't. And if I can, you know, push those, put those off a little bit, you know, until I graduate or until whatever, why wouldn't I? Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I wish generations prior maybe had done that. Yeah. But yeah. You know, that that's neither here nor there, I guess. Yeah, dude, I fought
0: so hard with myself to not have a car up here. Like I do not want to need to own a car. But finally it got to the point where it was just economically and socially irresponsible of me not to have one. And my little like in order for me to do it, I bought a $500 car from my roommate because it was the cheapest way to get into it. Yep. And that's kind of how I, d- I am with everything in life. Like, I'm looking at apartments right now, and I'm just looking at the cheapest ones they have. And yeah. even if they're one room, I like, I'm graduating this semester, and I have to move out and get a real job. Maybe I don't have to move out. Maybe I won't move out. But, I like, when I do eventually do that, I want to live with as little overhead as possible.
1: Yes, because so you, yeah. you can prevent that. You can prevent the big overhead, mm-hmm. like I, it cracks me up. It cracks me up driving by like these chud houses that are like in the middle of nowhere, and they're like these like the castles, McMansions. yeah. And they have like three identical white trucks, a mm-hmm. hundred grand each. Yeah, they got a an uh, in ground pool in the back. You go into their house, and they just have like it's just adorned with this bland but expensive furniture everywhere, mm-hmm. and it's just like why are you Why are you digging yourself? Yeah, why can't Why can't you just live? Like, all right, my, my dream home is just, like, comfort and wood. Like, I, I want, like, a cabin-esque kind of country-style house. Like, of course, I'll have Wi-Fi or something. How
0: else am I going to upload episodes of In It Together or read the latest political news? I, I need I, Wi-Fi. Exactly, exactly.
1: So, um, that, like, that, that's my dream. But I also want my kids to have, like, some free like – like, growing up, my dad and I uh, – he had, like, a lake right across from his house, and he has woods – and we you know went target shooting and in the pro, like we got permission and everything <laughs> and we'd go fishing in the lake and everything and you know now i don't really like to fish but i loved hiking and i loved biking and i loved being in nature and like i never want to lose that i never want my kids to feel like they you know lose that by like this like constant automation and this constant paving of everything which i feel like i mean that's probably why a lot of like midwest trump people Probably have a real strong skepticism of that kind of like coastal Democrat thing because they view it as it's like, well, they want to get rid of me. They want to get rid of that rural, uh, non pretentious wave of America, which mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people more so relate to. I more so relate to. I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm probably a hipster by their standards, but I assure them I would rather spend time with them. Than Andrew Yang, and I think that would be a perfect transition. Okay, to yeah, talking yeah. about Andrew Yang.
0: Well, I don't actually know a ton about Andrew Yang. The only he was on Joe Rogan, I believe, and I think I watched that episode. And he was also on Tucker Carlson. Yeah. And Tucker Carlson, shockingly, uh, Democratic run Democratic person running for president, Tucker Carlson agreed with him and liked what he had to say, mostly about automation and about um, how. America can prepare for a post-job world almost, a job where robots have taken most of the service jobs and a lot of the production jobs, and there is massive unemployment, and there's there needs to be a way to offer, because it's almost inevitable that a large portion of the, this country's population will be unemployed through no fault of their own simply because robots have taken their jobs. That is pretty much... What is the most likely
1: eventuality? Talk a little bit about Andrew Yang's take on this and solution. Well, the thing that I find so funny is that I've been talking about, like, the automation of jobs for a while. I I wrote a paper about it in uh, uh, this, uh, like, engineering science class I took. Um, I've always found it to be really interesting, and I'm going to kind of bring it around full circle, but I remember growing up when the self-checkouts at grocery stores became a thing. When that was a new thing and the big controversy that caused Mm -hmm. because, I mean, I had family that worked at, like, grocery stores. You know, I I have an aunt who's worked at a Meijer probably, well, as long as I've been alive, so more than 24 years. That automation did put some workers out. I mean, there there were news stories all over the place about um, workers trying to argue against them and say, oh, this is going to, you know, and now if you fast forward it, you go to McDonald's, now they have some, mcdonald's have their own cash registers and everything mm-hmm. the the
0: mcdonald's in mount pleasant has just large touch screens that you can use and you don't need to interact with a human and right. i love it but okay we'll get to the downside of it well my my,
1: my my big thing and i'm gonna bring bring this back to andrew yang i promise but why do you think a company chooses to do that why do you think they would choose to automate a position, rather than employ a person to fill a position, because it's cheaper to have a robot do someone's job than to pay a person. And you don't have to give a robot benefits, mm-hmm. and like there are so much overhead you save. Mm-hmm. So who else is making that decision but the people that are essentially running those those businesses that have the the, the positional power to decide if they're going to automate positions? Mm-hmm. I bring that back to Andrew Yang, where on I believe that Tucker Carlson interview that you talk about he's talking about automation and i'm like all right this is a pretty good take for a democrat to bring up and then he says but the capitalism and socialism debate is outdated and we need to find a way to make capitalism work for everybody you can't have both camps buddy that's a debate for capitalism
0: he's making right that's that's him him saying we need he, to stop debating this issue.
1: Right, but you can't if, if your other main selling point is the automation of jobs. That is a purely capitalistic cause. Yeah. Why why jobs are automated out of existence to save money and to save... You, you can't make that argument and then say, oh, well, criticizing capitalism is outdated and we need to just find a way to make it. Because when you try to ask him directly, and I've, I've seen a bunch of his interviews... Whenever you try to ask him directly, you know, well, I mean, what what, what would you do about this? What would you? It's very platitudinal. Mm-hmm. He resorts back to just very standard Democrat platitude, platitudes of, well, you know, we need to find a way to make this work for everybody. We need to find a way. It's it's always we need well, to find a, a way. He's a single issue candidate. He's a single issue candidate, but he doesn't even have like the the ideological vigor to fill that single issue, like at least Bernie with his single issue, he has somewhat that, that ideological backing to it. But Andrew Yang, he's not even coming from like the Mark Fisher camp or something. He's not coming from, from, you know, any kind of like really anti-technological camp. It's, oh, these big tech companies, I guess, are just uh, running to a muck and we need to rein them in somehow so that capitalism can work for everybody again, like it did in the nineties. And it's just, it's, it's, Asinine.
0: Yang's point is um he proposes a $1000 a month universal basic income. Yeah,
1: he also it really pushes for that, which yeah. is just uh, it's bottling to me. It is it's just so confusing. Well, these are
0: these are super connected, right? So the universal basic income is more or less a safety net for when peoples get replaced by robots. And if you haven't seen it yet, there's a really great YouTube video by YouTuber CGP Grey called Humans Need Not Apply that I recommend for you and I recommend for everybody. Um, it's a really great look at what is possible if robots take our jobs. But Andrew Yang's whole point is, eventually robots are going to take people's jobs,
1: and we need to start planning for that. But it But all right, I disagree with the premise that eventually they're going to. Well, that doesn't need to be so. What's, that doesn't need what, to be so. But
0: if it's financially, if the most financially, I guess, best thing that companies can do is replace as many workers as possible with robots, then there's going to be massive unemployment. There, right?
1: There, there can't be a regulate. I mean, I all right. I'm going to jump into this with like purely Democrat logic. There's not a regulation that could be passed to say jobs can no longer be. Well, yeah, that, that's like, that's totally possible. But is that is that forsaking
0: a better? more livable world where robots do the jobs that people don't want to and people can live off a like my, my perspective is if we can replace jobs that people don't like like service in, like taking orders at McDonald's and instead give those people a universal basic income that they can sustain off of is that not a better way of living than working
1: a shitty dead end job at McDonald's yeah yeah but you're basically referencing like that shitty meme on, on Facebook where it's like the, the, the techno space uh, co- communism thing where they're like, oh, we'll just get robots to sufficiently supply the means and then we'll all just live off of it. It's just it's a bit naive. Yeah, but no, like I was going to reference Star Trek, but after calling me naive, I think that's a <laughs> bad move. Um, <coughs> I, I'm not saying you're naive. I, I'm i trying to say that
0: like the meme is something like all of transportation <laughs> jobs, which is the biggest job. Um, source in America are there, there's a website you can go on I can't remember the URL right now but you can type in your job and it'll tell you how long and the odds of it being replaced by robots and it is horrifying if yeah you, if and that that's where I guess I don't want to relate myself to yang but that that's we we clearly have some common ground in thinking that eventually the human that there are not going to be enough jobs for people
1: no all right yeah yeah we both agree that automation of jobs is bad. I
0: don't agree with. I think that's good. I like automation of jobs. I am pro automation of jobs. But like so to, long to, as to what line? So long as there is a way for people to still live without having a job. All right. What I'm
1: talking about is I'm talking about an automation of jobs to take a worker that's in a position and make them unemployed because that employer wants to automate that position to save money on their overhead. So they they regard that worker's basic humanity. I don't agree with that. I agree with the idea of trying to maybe automate jobs to make them more efficient, but at, at, because what automation entails when a, when a worker loses their job from it, it entails that that person who's made that, that, that decision, that boss, that CEO, their ability to make more profit matters more than that person going home to tell their Potential wife, husband, kids. Hey, I lost my job today. We're gonna have to figure something out. Yeah, that 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 decision to 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 put that a family into a worse eco- economic predicament just so you can build profits, so you can allude to this vague idea of like, well, I mean, this 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 will you know progress the the market, and you know, it's very vague, technocratic, just blab. But do you have any doubt that that's what's going to happen? No, but the the, the way that you fix that is by making sure that workers have a stronger say in the workforce. If they have a stronger say in the workforce, they can fight to make sure those jobs don't get automated. They can make sure that their jobs will be maintained. The reason why their jobs get sent overseas is because workers don't have the ability to fight to maintain those jobs to be but there. We're not
0: we're not sending jobs overseas. We're, we're no, but it's but it's
1: the, it's the same principle. It's that and automation. Those are both decisions that are made absent of the worker. They're made for the worker. Your jobs is, is essentially decided whether it's not whether it's going to exist anymore by someone above you. So if they can make more money, which obviously they're going to agree, mm-hmm. they're going to make that decision. So you, as a worker, are constantly in the state of fear. That's why that website exists, where you can look it up. You can see how much time your your job has left. I mean, think about that.
0: I'll I'll, I'll use the same uh, metaphor that was used in the in the video I talked about earlier. When horses became obsolete, when cars came out, there wasn't a what are we going to do with like horses? We, we there there were people weren't advocating to maintain the use of horses for the horses' sake. And that is the perspective that companies have towards people. And I don't and I don't think it's possible to change that. I think it's infinitely easier to say we need to say we should expand social safety nets because of the inevitability that these jobs are gonna go away. And that's something that, believe it or not, Republicans can acknowledge as well. Tucker Carlson acknowledged it um on Fox News, saying that there needs to be some sort of thing people once jobs are obsolete.
1: But that thing about like coal, all right, like coal, they, they're they like trying to get rid of coal and like move those positions into a more green energy. Like that, that's a good thing to do. It's a good thing. You can remove jobs and reallocate the workers to a different workforce that essentially serves the same purpose. Spain did that when they outlawed the coal industry. It is possible to do that this 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 like inevitability it's an inevitability because companies will continue and continue and continue to try to make more and more and more money it's in it's an inevitability because of the system that we have put in place and i'm saying that if we had uh the ability for workers to fight more we would be able to have workers say like well these this job shouldn't be out out uh um, shouldn't be automated out we want to maintain this other jobs maybe sure but like I mean what about all those truck drivers do you want to remove every truck driver and re- and replace them with like a drone Listen Brent I want to remove every human but, who but, but, I could
0: possibly encounter But, in but I mean my come daily. on
1: but, but I mean seriously though I mean dude like in in a hypothetical like idea would you rather automate every single truck driver out of a job and replace them with a drone for the payoff of you know Amazon being able to make more money and maybe uh uh, a vague env- environmentalist argument. Using. I think it is entirely possible that there is a
0: future where the concept of a job is obsolete.
1: Okay, but you, and don't, I you don't get that th- with th- Andrew Yang. I think
0: th- that is an excellent eventuality where people don't have to go to their job and they don't have to be truck drivers. You, you
1: know what you're talking about? What? You're talking about socialism. You're talking about uh, very like, like the idea of jobs eventually being obsolete. You're talking about like very far left political like aspirations, but I'm, I don't want it. You, you I don't, don't want
0: it to be confused in that way. I'm talking about it. We have both acknowledged that it is incredibly likely that there could be a future where robots can replace almost all of the jobs, the majority of our jobs, I'd say, in our society. And I don't think that that potential is not something that you can unionize around. Like that is such a big. Um, change in the way society works that i think is going to happen that there is no way to unionize around that paradigm shift so so you
1: think it's like an inevitable shift just like um in, in industrialization you yeah, say I was think it, was so the, wait 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 so you think industrialization was an in it was an inevitable shift in history it was unavoidable it was almost like determined at a certain point in history the next
0: giant leap forward, which industrialization sure is inevitable, and it's going to
1: happen. But uh, wait how 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 do you think industrialization occurs? Like it's not spontaneous. Um, man, I should have watched the the. I should have watched and
0: read more about this. I didn't because, know we were going to get so into the weeds. Well, I'm,
1: I mean, no, this but, is a really interesting discussion. Yeah, I, I,
0: I think that technological advancement is something that just is going to happen because humans are humans, and the idea of this is a shitty thing to do. Can I just have a robot do this forever? Like, that is something that humans have always wanted. Like, um, I wish my phone would charge by itself. Like, I'm going to invent something that helps it do that. And that is always something that humans do. And that's all, like, industrialization is another form of this automation. Like, you can automate a robot, like, weaving something. And before that, it was someone's job to weave that. And you can just make a robot that does it. And that is a continuous cycle that I think is, is happening, um, like replacing horses with cars. Like, man, I wish I didn't have to feed this horse. I wish I didn't have to pick up this horse's shit. I wish I had a machine that I could just sit in and take me places. And now we have that where I wish I didn't have to carry these Amazon packages to the other end of this warehouse. Oh, I don't have to. I can just have a, have a robot do it. Much like industrialization, I think that this technological leap forward of automation, of robots taking people's jobs, of robots taking making jobs obsolete, is something that's going to happen regardless of whatever we do about it. And I don't, I don't think that any group there's nobody has the power to prevent that right now. And I don't think that's something
1: that can change. I've just never had this kind of conversation with with another person like just dis- disagreed with them so much. It should, I've never heard that point of view expressed before it's like pro um automation of jobs or this pro, i'm looking at it optimistically pro, brent well you think that industrialization or any kind of like technological advancement is inevitable in society yes and it's somehow Put me on record for that and it is and it's like connected to human nature in a way because yeah. all right so you're identifying that there is like a human nature component to people, and part of that nature is them trying to um, essentially use tools to optimize things in their life. Yeah. Okay. So uh, there's a great quote, I believe it's by Adorno, who uh, said, man gave himself the ability to use machines or to use a tool. You know, Eventually it was made so that uh, he couldn't, grab the hammer or he couldn't grab the tool the tool became him the tool became something that he couldn't remove from himself it became part of his arm it became Mm -hmm. part of his body and this idea that man uh can you know advance or he can like build something or he can you know find a tool to optimize himself but this idea that he's like Constantly trapped in continuously doing that, I think is strange because it's eventually going to reach this like point of, I mean, it's going to sound really, really cheesy, but it's going to reach that like singularity argument because there's only, I guess, logically, like so far you can go with that optimization before it's like, I mean, and and that doesn't even bring in forward like, all right, is that technology even possible to make? Who would make it? who would build it. My, my, my big thing is I don't think that industrialization or those things are part of human nature. I think it's kind of a materialist argument. I think it's more that uh, there are people in society that determine the superstructure and the base of society, which will essentially determine the culture of society, the laws, the politics, the art of the culture. And those people essentially drive where society will go. The people that decided to build the pyramids decided the cultural impact of the pyramids the peasants and the builders didn't decide to build those someone ordered for them to be built someone in a higher class same thing with i mean essentially all infrastructure and eventually industrialization it didn't come from you know the peasantry or the average worker saying you know i have it within myself this this natural component to uh extend technology it was uh another group saying that the The realm of society has changed in a way to where you have to adapt and you have to fill this role in this position and it progresses and it progresses and it progresses from one group projecting it onto a lower group. And you can say that that's, you know, reductionist or you can say that you don't agree. You don't think it's that simple. But in my opinion, I think that history progresses in that way. I don't think that human beings have this natural component to do these things. I think that that nature is kind of projected onto them by people that have something to extract from them primarily money from labor Mm -hmm. so well to, to
0: go back to that metaphor i think we kind of have reached the point where man can't we cannot control the technology around like every single person in the world or in america has a phone on them and a lot of those people particularly people in our generation would have a very hard time
1: getting rid of that piece of technology so it's like fatalist you're going to have to define that for me. It's like you you think that um, the, the end result is just inevitable, and you essentially just have to like make do.
0: I think the end result is we all upload ourselves into a computer, and we let the AI figure it out for us. I wholeheartedly believe that that is the
1: result, but I think I'd rather let the planet just die out. Really? Yeah. I Man, so.
0: I, I'm ready to upload myself into the AI, AI right now. I'm ready for the technological Star Trek future where nobody makes any money and we're all just doing things because we be like doing them.
1: And see, but like that, but this is what's so funny, because that's the exact future that I want to. But the difference is, I don't think that you get there with mass automation. I think that you can ideally, hopefully get there removing capitalism, you get you get there by by critiquing it by by not augmenting it by removing it by replacing it. And you can't get to point A to point B without that, that like vital component. So when I hear Andrew Yang talk about, oh, well, like, you know, uh, automation, and you know, blah, blah, I, I, I'm just curious, what does he think the world is going to do? If, uh, like in, in, in your in your world? you know all jobs are automated out what is like the 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 economic conditions of society like what 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 who is in charge of society in this post job world is is there, is there is there like a robot man i want to book president no, is is, is, there, okay. is there like a robot ambassador because like all of these questions go unanswered
0: yeah i'll here i'll try and answer some of them um not in the way i have understood automation and the way that i have understood how the future, the near future will be automated is that jobs in the service industry and jobs in transportation are the first ones to go. And once those go, those who, people need okay, I'm there getting would there, I'm still getting there. be a group of jobs. I'm, I'm getting there. Right, those right. people need some sort of social safety net to continue to live and to continue to sustain themselves. But like you said, there will be some people who need to fill some roles in society and ensuring that machines continue to work and that there are people in government and those jobs do exist and those are jobs that kind of need to exist for people to not have jobs right and those people you can figure out how much they make later or if they make anything else or what they do so does that
1: does that like answer I, your question so, so there there would be a a vast populace of post job humans this sounds really cyberpunk but yes of post job humans then there would be this uh, small This small, like, middle... Oh, you're going to relate uh, this to the superstructure, aren't you? No, 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 no. There's going to be this middle group of, essentially, industrial, technologically sound workers... People like Mark Zuckerberg. ...that that essentially upkeep the mode of production in society. Yeah, I knew you were going to make this... And then then there's going to be an oligarch of, like, government figures and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So you have post-job people... Uh, probably 5% of the population that maintains the mode of production. And then you have the, uh, Mm -hmm. like, I can't imagine thinking that I am the one that's, that's like proposing uh, out there ideas when that, that to me sounds just like a bad Harrison Ford movie. You know, it, it, it doesn't sound bad. It it was a good
0: Harrison Ford movie. Excuse
1: you. You're right. It was, Um, I I just like getting a, getting a rise out of it.
0: Yeah. I I don't, I I genuinely don't think that this is that far out
1: there. Um, Um, I, I,
0: I, I don't think it's horribly
1: far out there i think it's uh frightening i'm, I, I, dude, I'm ready I, for my post-job world hey we finally we finally have like a nice uh, argument on the podcast how about that a yeah nice i little, think that was nice good. debate representative omar uh th- this whole controversy i hate even calling it a controversy, controversy in quotes controversy in massive air quotes now i know i have talked about on this program before or maybe i've talked about it on another podcast before Um, And as we were walking in, I mentioned this term to you, that cyclical Mm self-censorship. I use that term and I use it just waiting for something like this to come up. And then it comes up and I'm like, you know what? Maybe I have a good hunch of of what's going on. Okay, so do you know the comments that she made? Yes. So again, air quotes controversy. Um, She's gotten flack from Democrats and Republicans uh, for one saying that, you know, Essentially, AIPAC supplies money and lobbies in the U.S. Congress mm-hmm. and government to for Israel's bidding and for Zionist bidding. So she stated a fact, which anyone who has graduated high school has found out. Um, and then in addition to that, you know, that caught like uh, she was on Twitter and she said it's all about the Benjamins in reference to AIPAC. Yeah. So that was, you know, carried into the the quote disgusting stereotype of Jews being you know the 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 greedy money or like I know, having a lot of money that that thing which so, taken very much so out of context purposefully you and know what I I pulled a muscle from that stretch <laughs> like like honestly yeah. um so then she oh, Omar Re- representative Omar she gets the flack from that um she's also from Somalia this always cracks me up when. Uh, liberals try like shaming like Somalis, Syrians, Lebanese um, for having like any kind of like anti-Israeli pivot about them at all politically. And like this is this is the the big thing. We can criticize governments. We can Mm -hmm. criticize the government of Israel. We can criticize Netanyahu. I, whenever I criticize Netanyahu, whoever I'm criticizing Israel, I don't even think they're Jews. I like that's not what my brain associates. Yeah. I associate, oh, that's that country that's doing mm-hmm. the bad thing for X, Y, and Z. It's not, yeah. oh, those Jews again. <laughs> like, I, like my brain does not go. Even there. the
0: notion of anybody doing that is hilarious to me because I've never seen anybody do that who isn't right. like Alex and, and, Jones level crazy.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and so like, um, so then she made another comment later on where she said, you know, it's, uh, I'm not directly quoting her, but it was along the lines of that it was troubling to her to see her country be subservient to a foreign entity, you know, and she was alluding to Israel. Mm -hmm. And again, to criticize her, you're essentially saying, like, it's either wrong for her to to identify that, like, Israel does lobby, like, into the U.S. to try to get things done for Israel's favor, Mm -hmm. or it's more the other way around because Israel is a client state for us. So it's more we kind of lobby through them to try to get things done. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's either you can't make that distinction or making that distinction is anti-Semitic. And both of those are really troubling. And it's even more troubling because um, just a couple days ago, uh, the House Resolution 183, by a large margin, 400 and something to 22. Yeah, and this is, you know, I, I don't believe that it was stated that it was in response to Omar, but mm. it may as well have it's been. It's basically a PR statement. It's a PR statement saying that, you know, the U.S. Congress— Uh, Here, I'll actually – I I have a passage. So
0: the introduction says this resolution rejects the perpetuation of anti-Semitic stereotypes in the United States and around the world and condemns anti-Semitic acts and statements. The resolution reaffirms support for the mandate of the United States Special Envoy to monitor and combat anti-Semitism. Additionally, the resolution rejects attempts to justify hatred or violent attacks over political frustrations. Law enforcement is encouraged to avoid conduct that raises – The specter... I'm holding my laptop above my microphone. The the specter of unconstitutional profiling against anyone because of their race, religion, nationality, politics, or social group. This resolution also acknowledges the harm suffered by Muslims from harassment, discrimination, and violence, condemns anti-Muslim discrimination and bigotry against all minorities. Finally, the resolution condemns death threats received by Jewish and Muslim members of Congress. Oh my God, this resolution doesn't need to exist. It doesn't need
1: to exist because... Like all, and I'm bringing it back to that cyclical self censorship thing, because mm-hmm. all of this is trying to prove is that we think that what Omar, this is this this is the house trying to symbolically say that they think that what Omar said was out of line. Mm-hmm. They think it falls under the line of anti semitism, and when anyone invokes something like how she says again, maybe they could invoke this, or maybe maybe they could I, use this to try yes. to, or maybe they could use this to try to, cyclically self censor any kind of anti-zionist criticism that occurs in the House because uh, there, there's you know this line between the more typical Democrats and the progressives that you know Omar kind of falls into the more progressive wing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that as more progressives get into these positions, I mean, she also, uh, Omar was the same woman that um, questioned Elliot Abrams for, like, the U.S. war crimes in Nicaragua and El Salvador. Oh, is this the
0: Reagan guy? I think I actually yeah. did see this. Yeah. yeah, I did watch that video.
1: Now, so she's already kind of made it known that, okay, I'm going to be a person that comes in here and I'm going to be a bit more unabashed in my criticisms of past U.S. interventionism mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, human rights violations. And I think more younger progressives are going to come up with this knowledge that the US has intense blood on its hands that we don't want to repeat yeah. and that we think that it's 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 a an old practice that we want to do everything not to repeat again mm-hmm. i think that as more younger people come up and they try to bring up these these valid criticisms of the american structure you're going to see these pivots from uh, establishment Democrats trying to silence that and say that falls into some type of thing that we can p- pivot to. It's going to mm. fall into sexism. It's going to fall into racism. It's going to fall into anti-Semitism because those are things that you can give to the general public to just get them on your side without them ever having to even look up what Omar really said. Yeah. Because if they just hear, Oh, well here's this Muslim woman being, Oh, she was, she was antisemitic. She said something bad about Israel. Well, I thought, I thought Israel was our friends cause you know, we're, we're America and they're Israel. Well, I, I, yeah, I guess that's bad. There's so many people that are just going to take that information, and then the republicans, the republicans are going to run with it. You know, I, I've seen a bunch of republicans on Twitter saying like, "Oh, see, this is the loony, far progressive left. They're they're really the real bigots, the real you know, anti Semites." And well, it's just, it's it's ridiculous because we're not able to have these these genuine conversations that we need to have.
0: Well, some of the republicans who voted against the resolution said they did so because they wanted it to specifically call her out. Um, which is a no-no in any kind of resolution writing. Um, but We, we want to fucking diss track. Yeah, that's basically what they wanted. Uh, but there was also some comparison between Representative Steve King, who's made a lot of racist comments in the past. And the difference is... How can
1: you compare Because the two? they're, they're oh dumb.
0: Because uh, uh, Omar didn't do anything even remotely near what being racist could possibly be interpreted as it's it's so ludicrous to me that people even have that take um
1: but i'm not surprised now before we go because i don't have anything else to say well about i have one more thing that i kind of want to leave off on because uh I, I I don't want to say Trump's having a bad week because like that's really He's been having a bad week since infrastructure week. Well, you know you Remember know what I mean. Infrastructure like that, week. Yeah, that, it's a really like like NPR like breakfast in, with Brian type just <laughs> nonsense. I want to show like that. I feel like Trump's having like a weird time right now. Yeah, well, like Michael I saw him, I saw him testifying. at CPAC. I didn't see him. CPAC was weird. Actually, actually sure. CPAC. I follow CPAC. From what I gathered, it was strange. Yeah, he um, went on for, like, two hours. Hugged the flag, didn't he? He did that. I love that photo. Yeah. Yeah, so we're talking about the Jeffrey Epstein, uh, Alex Acosta thing. And the reason why I bring this up is it's coming to the light now more and more. It's kind of getting more national attention that Alex Acosta, which is the current labor secretary. Yeah, not Jim Acosta, who I originally thought stories were talking about. Nope, not Jim Acosta, but Alexander Acosta, who is the current a labor secretary um, had a hand in essentially um, reducing the sentence of Jeffrey Epstein, who over a decade ago was caught essentially doing organized child prostitution and Mm -hmm. child sex trafficking to many of the most like wealthy and uh, powerful people in the world. He had a black book of clients, Donald Trump, Donald Trump's name, Bill Clinton's name. Uh, There were like dozens and dozens of names in it, but um, Alexander Acosta, as an um, attorney in uh, Florida, I believe, he fought to make sure that Jeffrey Epstein essentially uh, got like the lowest sentence he possibly could. Um, so he essentially got an immunity agreement uh, through Acosta, which basically brought his sentence down to 13 months, which he served uh from he could serve from his own residence. Okay. So, so basically he basically had to go into did. a prison and sleep mm-hmm. like six days of the week for thirteen months. Okay. For um what they clearly identified the was massive. was massive child prostitution. Yeah. Right. And uh, even like law enforcement in Florida were like outraged over this. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to reopen the case to get Epstein like actual punishment now. But the reason why I bring all of this up is that, you know, the story's kind of making the rounds again and Alex Acosta's kind of getting Pressured on some of this stuff again. And uh, I just think it's funny because what was Trump's big thing about make sure making sure that the wall was built? Human trafficking.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, who was our secretary of labor? A man who fought and manipulated the legal system to make sure that a sex offender, a serial child rapist, got the lowest prison sentence possible because he's a rich guy. He 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 gets me into high places and uh why wouldn't I help my buddy out? Mm-hmm. So any, any any Trump fans in the house, I don't know how else to break it to you, but this 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 vague lie or any of these vague platitudes that, that Trump gives to you, it's 95 percent of the time probably just a projection about himself he projects that you know oh human trafficking is a problem these people are coming in it's the labor secretary he's the human trafficker so like his friend um the owner
0: of the patriots yeah prostitution like he he's now in trouble for soliciting prostitutes and trump as well as a lot of other republicans have been noted in photos with the woman who runs the spa where prostitution was solicited. There, there are
1: pictures of Trump and Epstein, like, next to each other, just, like, buddying up. Mm-hmm. I mean, Trump's name and a bunch of his personal information, like the numbers of his doormen, his security people, were in uh, Epstein's black book. Mm-hmm. He had a, a private jet called the Lolita Express oh, that Bill Clinton was on, that that Trump was on, that all of these powerful men were on, that this guy later gets convicted of being a serial child, you know, child If
0: you name anything
1: Lolita Express, you should go to jail. I'm just saying, and I don't. I don't bring this up to be like, "Ha, got you, Trump. You're you're gross." It's this this argument is just bunk. It's Mm -hmm. nonsense, and the the wall is purely. I don't even think part of it. I I don't even think it's it's he wants to build it for like a nationalistic purpose that much anymore. Like I sure, surely he does, but I think it's more so just an egoist thing. Definitely. It, it It's like, well, surely I want, I want this like vague American nationalist, like quota to be met, but at the same time, I want the wall. I said it would be done. It's going to get done. And I like, we're going to deal with this until he's out of office. Mm-hmm. I don't think After it's ever he's going to get out of built. office. We're going to deal
0: with it. I, well, I don't no, think it'll ever it, get it built. It will never get built. That's kind of, but that's why he wants and, it built so bad, I think, is because people like us are saying, well, no, it, people who are sensible realize,
1: no, we're not going to build a wall along the southern border. But I think if this Acosta stuff gets more and more traction, this Epstein stuff gets reopened up, I think that could um, be another controversy that can connect them back to Trump that could hold off mm-hmm. the wall longer. And this is me just putting on my Democrat hat for, <laughs> for the moment, trying to like think think how a Democrat would think you know unbutton the hammer and
0: sickle pin thank you guys so much for listening like i said check out uh humans need not apply by youtuber cgp gray i think it's very good and it it kind of had me thinking like about like the point that i made today and kind of what we debated like that is just me thinking like i didn't get that from anybody like i and i don't think you got your idea from everybody but that is purely me processing an accumulation of information in my own way um we'll end it there thank you guys so much for listening have a good day Music